This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Um, they played a strong game. We knew that they would play their best. Uh, you know, we have a little bit better, we feel. Um, to give in this next game, hopefully, you know, win hockey game. So uh, if we forget about them, we'll move on to the next one. Like I said, there were opportunities for us to uh, both come back in that game and probably um, make a difference and uh, just weren't able to connect for that extra play uh, to score a goal. So, um, you know, we look at it and, and try and figure out why it happened, but at the same time, forget about it and just worry about the next one. What is up, everyone? Welcome in to the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, I am Ben Goats. On the other line in San Jose, we have Adam Hill here to break down everything you need to know about the Golden Knights' loss, a uh, 5-2 loss in Game 5 of their first-round playoff series against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, just a reminder, you can follow us at ReviewJournal.com. Also, like, subscribe, everything you do with podcasts. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., uh, but Adam, how's the uh, San Jose atmosphere treating you? Uh, it's very good. I'm back in uh, downtown now at the uh, the very quiet hotel. I actually just saw something very lovely, Ben. It was a, a Golden Knights fan and a Sharks fan out on the streets of San Jose, uh, kind of sharing a beer and talking about the game. That, that's you know that's what you like to see. And I thought it was very fitting that it was a kind of a civil meeting and a civil conversation because the most of the series has not been that way. Obviously, out on the ice, it's been very physical and you know chirping and a lot of penalties and the extracurricular activities and tonight you didn't see any of that i thought you just saw some really really good hockey there was you know long stretches where there wasn't even a whistle at all so i think you you saw the best played game of the series and you saw you know a san jose team that was desperate and knew they knew they needed a win and i think they were able to control their emotions much better than they had in the previous games and i thought the golden knights maybe were affected by the fact that they weren't trying to get involved in anything they were trying to you know they talked so much yesterday about keeping their emotions in check and toning it down and just go out and playing hockey and not worrying about all those other things and i think that allowed san jose to kind of get it you know find their game a little bit so uh, I thought maybe a, a change in the tone of the series really benefited San Jose today, and saw them come out with a victory. And by far the best game that they played, both offensively and defensively. And uh, maybe the Knights, you know, while they played pretty well, uh, just didn't have that edge to them. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that unfold. There's only five combined power plays in this game, and it feels like both these teams have been averaging like five power plays a piece per game this series because things have just been so chippy and so heated and so it was interesting to see them kind of get back to hockey in this game and one thing that also stuck out to me in addition to that is the Sharks getting that early lead in this game uh, Tomas Hurdle scores a minute and 16 into that this one kind of flipping the script on what the Knights have been able to do to the Sharks this series this year in the regular season and then most of last year too so I mean 
Adam, you were there. Did the arena change in terms of mood at all once the Sharks were able to get that early lead? Uh, you know, the, the fans in attendance, the people uh, at SAP Center, there wasn't a whole lot of like over the top. Like it was more while they were into it and they were passionate and they were loud. It was more like nerves and just kind of like, you know, what's going to happen? Is this the end of the year? And we've seen a lot of playoff failures in the past. And you can kind of feel that tension a little bit in the crowd. But I thought that early goal kind of enabled them to to wake up and to open up a little bit and to just get more excited and more into the game. So I think the tone of the crowd definitely changed, but certainly the tone of the Sharks did because, you know, we t- we've talked about it time and time again. The Knights have scored first in every game, and you know, every game of the last three that they've won, and it's just really put the Sharks on their heels. And I think it opened up a lot of things for the Sharks to be able to, to play with more confidence and to just play a different style of game. The fact that they had the lead early and, you know, they talked about, we talked, we'll talk more about Martin Jones and him kind of settling in and, you know, finding himself again and, and not struggling the way he has in the past and making a couple of big saves that helped him. But, you know, the team talked about the fact that, Hey, when we're ahead, we don't have to open up so much offensively. We don't have to, you know, leave so many lanes exposed back for the golden Knights to make counterattacks and to, you know, to come back at us and you don't, surrender as many grade a high danger chances you know when you're when you're not playing from behind and try to chase the game so it really really changed the tone of the game and it's such it's such a simple thing obviously everybody wants to score a goal early we know that but it definitely changed the way the game was played and it changed the atmosphere uh when the sharks were able to score first it it took a little bit of that i think there was like i said there was some tension but i think it was all right, how long is it going to take the Golden Knights to score tonight? Because they've scored in the first minute and a half of the last three games, and instead they turned the tables and went the other way, and that really set the tone for the game. No, absolutely it did. The Golden Knights have scored nine goals within the first five minutes of games in their eight previous meetings with the Sharks this season before tonight. So it's just been uncanny how that's been so consistent for them across all the different games they've had with the Sharks. doesn't happen tonight. The Sharks end up getting the win after getting that early lead. They now trail 3-2 in the series. It's fascinating because you mentioned it's such a small thing, but it's been so huge through the course of this series. I mean, there have been no lead changes this series. The team that scores the first goal in all five of these games has gone on to win. So both of these teams have done, I think, a good job in their wins of grabbing momentum early and then just kind of riding it out the rest of the way. Yeah, they have. And, and you know, the one sort of exception to that was the game that you know game two and the golden Knights jumped out to a three nothing lead and the sharks came back and rallied but the sharks never were able to get the lead back as much as they were able to capture momentum uh, as you said they never got the lead they never were able to take it back and actually they did temporarily think they did and then the the goal was of course uh, overturned so that was a huge momentum swing in the series but you know I, I think you're right that you know the lead has been so so important and both these teams have showed that they're able to come back this season uh, but it just really hasn't happened that much in the series. The the tone has been set early, and you know a lot of that is just because of Martin Jones. Where when he has the lead, he's feeling more comfortable comfortable with himself, and when he doesn't, he just you know the floodgates are kind of open. So uh, it's been very different for him. But uh, yeah, I think that has been a key factor in the series. And actually, uh, uh, Joe Pavelski talked about it tonight. Which, by the way, being up close with Pavelski after the game and just seeing how tough it is for him to talk and even open his mouth with that uh, shot that he took early in the series is a it's almost uncomfortable, but uh, he was talking about it after the game, and he said, you know, it's it's a little thing, of course, you know, it's getting that first goal. It's it's not it's something everybody talks about all the time, but uh, you know, in this series, it's just meant so much, and it set the tone for the entire game. And uh, he was right; that's certainly what happened tonight. The Sharks got comfortable and, and played well, and uh, did a lot of really good things. And I, I thought, you know, as I said, Martin Jones good, but 
defensively, the huge factor for them is Marco Gord Vlasic coming Absolutely. back. Vlasic is, is so important to the to their defense and and what he's able to do and really what he he's such a good you know stay at home defender and just disciplined veteran does such good job defensively that he lets you know those offensive players especially you know he's playing with the offensively minded uh, defensemen. Uh, enables them to go make their plays and you know do what they want to do to try to open things up because he's going to be so disciplined and stay stay in his lane and stay where he is and you know Pete DeBoer talked about after the game like yeah our defense looked much better didn't it uh, it's amazing what will happen you have a world class defender coming back to your lineup uh, and that's what you saw tonight out of the Sharks so you know you don't want to pin everything on hey he was out he came back and they won but I mean if you look at the numbers he played game one and they won it was you know one of their best games of the series certainly the way that they were able to uh, kind of control that game. Uh, he leaves early in the second period of game two in a tie game. And from that point on in that game, and then the next two games, game three and four, uh, the Golden Knights were able to outscore the Sharks 13 to three. So the Golden Knights completely dominated the series when Vlasic wasn't in. He's played the full game in game one and five, and they won both those games. So I don't think it's a huge coincidence that they play better when Vlasic's there. No, absolutely not. He totally rounds up their defensive lineup. I think he controls the game so well when he's in there, especially with Burns, because he can kind of act as a buffer when Burns wants to get aggressive. He will stay at home and protect Martin Jones, who has needed some protection this series and certainly got it tonight and certainly played better tonight. I also think getting that early lead helped his confidence a lot. But we got to get into it and talk about him. I mean, this is a guy that has been obviously much maligned this series and it's been deserved up until this point i mean he entered this game with a 838 save percentage which is abysmal his goals against average was 5.33 just in this series he'd been pulled two out of four games so everything was going wrong for this guy so naturally pete DeBoer sticks with him in game five he stops 30 of 32 shots faced and I thought he was honestly very impressive tonight, Adam. Do I get to brag on this podcast about being the only one to say Martin Jones should start game five? If you want to, go for it. I mean, it's really not that big. I mean, I, the, the biggest reason, and listen, I didn't have a whole lot of faith that Martin Jones you know, would, would deliver a great performance and uh, do what he did tonight necessarily. But at the same time, I just I think that the Sharks didn't have much of a choice. Aaron Dell stinks. He's just not that good of a goaltender. And so, you know, for them to... You know, obviously, if you're listening, he's an NHL player. We know he's 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 definitely good enough to be in the NHL. But compared to Martin Jones, he's just not the same level of talent. I just didn't I didn't think they'd go with him. I thought they'd you know go down swinging with their guy that's that's taken him you know the distance before. He made a Stanley Cup final run in 2016, and you know despite the fact that his numbers weren't that good this year, he did win games for them and uh, put up you know one of the highest win totals in the in the league, largely because the offense was good. Uh, you know everything else, but yeah, he's he's a guy that they have confidence in they've talked about how much confidence they have in him uh you know the the famous quote now before the series of you know if there was a analytic for uh, confidence in your goaltender he'd be batting a thousand in this locker room and you heard it tonight when you you know everybody wanted to talk to all the players about you know martin jones and the comeback and you know bouncing back and playing better and, and the answers were all like you know I, I know you guys want us to say like you know great you know he did a great job and he really bounced back for us but nobody ever believed that he wouldn't everybody uh, you know the the company line was, hey, we all believed you know he was just going to do it. There was no question. Get him out there and let him play his game, and that's what happened. And obviously they they felt they played a little bit better defense in front of him. But I thought 
you know, the biggest play for him uh, of the game because he, he didn't have a whole lot of work to do necessarily. He made the saves he had to and uh, certainly eliminated some of the silly mistakes that he's made early in the series. But the biggest play was obviously after the, the Knights had cut it to three to two, uh, you know, about eight minutes left in the game. And he makes a great save on Riley Smith on a two on one after a pass from William Carlson. And, you know, the Knights had all the momentum in the world. They had cut it to, to one. Everybody was getting nervous. And that save really turned things around. Then obviously a couple minutes later, uh, the penalty and the power play that really iced it for the Sharks. But that was a massive play. And every single player on the Sharks that talked after the game talked about how big that play was for them. And, you know, Martin Jones just played better and the team played better in front of him. And he was solid. And I think that gives them confidence. And you never know. I mean, if, if he comes back to Vegas, he could have another really good game and take them into a game seven and play well again. But at the same time, there's got to be some concern, at least from Sharks fans, even if it's not in the locker room, that, Martin Jones could melt down in one of these next two games. And, you know, all of a sudden their season is over just like that. I mean, it, it's just because he had one good game doesn't mean that can't happen. And just because he had a couple of bad games doesn't mean he's always going to have bad games. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting roller coaster ride this series because you've really seen the highs of highs today. Like I said, that two on one save was uh, absolutely critical. Uh, the Sharks entered period three with a three to one lead. Jonathan Marshall scores a power play goal, the night's second power play goal of the game to cut it to three to two with about eight minutes 24 seconds left and then the knights were really starting to turn the pressure on and jones makes that save to keep them ahead then a little bit later we get the call on marsh assault to send him to the penalty box uh which we can talk about in a second here uh hurdle yeah. scores his second goal of the game this one on the power play to put the sharks up four to two with about five minutes 15 seconds left and that kind of sealed it pavelski also gets an empty netter to get us to the final score but yeah let's talk about that penalty call jonathan marshall high sticks logan couture in the face it appeared according to the broadcast that a couple teeth were on the ice so a little painful there but it wasn't called right away there was a stoppage the officials gathered together decided to call it and then of course uh, you see gerard gallant on the knight's bench and he's pretty irate about the call uh, Marshall yeah. on the ice doesn't look like he can believe that the call is being made against him. It would definitely seem like it was an interesting scene out there, Adam. Yeah, and it, it's tough because, you know, listen, he there was a high sticking on the play. It was a penalty. I don't think there's any debate or question or doubt about that. I know I saw some Golden Knights fans on Twitter saying, you know, it was acting and he didn't get hit and all these other things. Listen, the stick hit him in the face. There's no question. It was high sticking. Now, the debate is, how did they call it and why did they call it? Because, you know, they, you know, I'm sure on TV they went to a commercial and nobody knew what was going on. And in the arena, they, they didn't call it. The referees were just kind of, you know, standing there waiting for the commercial break to end. And then all of a sudden they, they huddle and decide to make the call. So you have to applaud them for getting the call right, even if you don't like it. But they're really not supposed to make that call if nobody saw it. If, if they if they gathered together and said, hey, why is that guy bleeding and why are his teeth on the ice? I guess there must have been a high stick. We're going to call it now. I mean, that's really not how it's supposed to work. If it's not called at the time, it's not supposed to be called. So I certainly understand the Golden Knights frustration and their fans frustration. Uh, in the end, I think you want to have the call made correctly, and it was made correctly. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a tough spot there. Like, I, I know... For the fans, one of the things I always say when they get upset and outraged about us, I would say, well, if it happened the other way, wouldn't you have been happy that they called the penalty and, and got it right eventually? And most people don't want to admit that. That's true. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think in the end you wanted to have it right. And actually, I, I my belief is that they didn't get the right call because it should have been a four-minute penalty. I mean, that that's technically by the rules. That's how it should have gone. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess they got a break that it wasn't a four-minute penalty. In the end, they didn't need it. They they got the, the goal right away and got that insurance goal to put the game away. But I, I think for the most part, you want to get the calls correct, but you also want to see them do it in the right way. And that, that really didn't seem to be handled properly. But they did get the right call. Yeah, it was handled in a very weird way. And, of course, it goes under extra scrutiny because the Sharks basically get the insurance goal they need to put the game away off that power play. It only takes 14 seconds, I believe, for uh, Hurdle to pick up a Pavelski rebound and put it by Flurry. So it was a key moment in the game, even though, I mean, you saw, like you said, Couture's teeth were on the ice the broadcast showed that he was bleeding yeah. on his face he went right back to the locker room uh, eventually did re-emerge and finished out this game but well he also he also came out to show them that he was bleeding because he didn't want them to fix it and not be bleeding anymore he, he he popped his head back out and said hey look i'm bleeding it should be four minutes he tried to lobby for that he didn't get it but uh yeah he, he did pop his head out back for that and then uh did come back out there so uh, yeah, I, I, again, I get the frustration, but in the end, it seemed to be the right call. I, I will say, you know, it seemed like Drugland before and after his press conference wasn't as happy with the call as he was during the press conference. He, you know, he said, hey, listen, it's a call. We, you know, it is what it is and you move on. But he certainly wasn't thrilled with that call being made. I can tell you that. No, it definitely didn't seem like it. Well, we got to spin forward a little bit now because now we're looking at a game six. The Golden Knights have never closed out a playoff series at home at T-Mobile Arena, so they'll try to rebound from this 5-2 loss to the Sharks. Is there anything in particular you want to see them add for this game, Adam? It was not, I thought, like that crazy good performance for the Knights uh, five-on-five across the board. They didn't seem to match the desperation uh, of the Sharks, which is understandable. The Sharks came into this game down 3-1 in the series. They want to stay alive, but there weren't a lot of t- great performances from the Knights skaters to really write home about, I think. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, we talked going into the series, and I, you know, I, I believe one of the things I said, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know that it's any different now, that I do believe if you just take the skaters, the Sharks are a better team than the Knights. I, I fully believe that. And I think we've seen that at times in the series, despite the fact that, you know, you've had the, the Knights second line just completely dominate at times. I think overall top to bottom uh, on between the forwards and the, and the defensemen. And uh, as, as just a skater versus skater, I think the Sharks are a better team. And then the, the Knights advantage is certainly in net and that's shown up, you know, three different games. And in the other two games, I thought the Sharks were clearly a better team. So, uh, I, I'd like to see certainly the Knights get a lot more pressure, a lot more high danger chances early on Martin Jones. I know at one point about midway through the third period, they only had six in the entire game. And I know, uh, you know, advanced metrics or whatever you want to talk about, but the uh, expected goals at that point was only like 1.7 for the Knights. And it was at almost three uh, for the Sharks. So, you know, they just didn't generate enough high danger chances. They didn't get inside enough. And I thought a lot of that was, the Sharks ability to match up the lines they wanted and really contain that second line of the Golden Knights. I think five on five at that same point in the game, uh, the second line for the Knights didn't have any high danger chances. So that has, that certainly has to change. They need to figure out uh, a way to get that second line more active. And I think at home that helps, uh, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to mess with the matchups a little bit uh, line versus line. So uh, 
Uh, we'll see how they manage that uh, back at T-Mobile. But you certainly have to get the second line involved. You you want to see the first line uh, continue some of the me- momentum they had from the last game and try to build up a little bit. So you need a lot of dangerous situations. You know, we need to create more dangerous situations and make Martin Jones work more early in the game in particular so he can't settle in and get comfortable. But that's that's certainly an easy one. I, I actually will make the case as well that I want to see the Golden Knights play with more emotion and more edge because, like I said, I thought I thought it might have been a mistake to uh, to turn it down a little bit, and it was it was very clear that the Knights were trying to turn it down, trying to shut down some of that you know physical play, and and the Sharks did a, a better job of not letting it get to them, but the Knights didn't do a whole lot of it. They didn't try to get them on edge. They didn't try to you know get in their face and frustrate them, and you know kind of tone down on the on the talking a little bit as well. So. I think the, the Knights should probably try to play with more emotion uh, and, you know, not that they weren't passionate and, and enthusiastic, but I just mean that edge that, that got the Sharks frustrated, try to get them out of their game and not let them just focus on playing hockey. You know, Evander Kane losing his mind and uh, in the locker room with the, with the speech and then losing his mind on the ice as well. And the Knights didn't fire back and chirp back and try to get back in his head. They just kind of let him get back to playing hockey and, I think we saw the result of that was the Sharks playing a much better game. So I don't think the Knights should 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 try to lose that edge at all. I think they should they should let it be out there and kind of be a little bit you know crazy for lack of a better word and uh, not tone it down as much as they did. So we'll see if they're able to do something like that. And certainly it's uh, it's taking advantage of the crowd and getting the crowd into uh, Martin Jones' head and the head of the Sharks a little bit and. You know, creating a hostile environment, which it's always a hostile environment at T-Mobile, but maybe even turn that up and use that to your advantage to try to get in his head early. Yeah, you have to imagine, even though Game 6 will be on uh, Easter Sunday, and we don't have a time for that yet, we're still waiting on that. But you'd have to expect the crowd's going to be pretty raucous. It's going to give the Golden Knights a lot of energy, especially if they're able to get a lead early. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of get that confident you know, swagger back that they really seem to be playing with the first four games of this series. Because it, it does appear that the Sharks kind of got a little bit of their swag back after this game. I mean, you heard Tomas Hurdle on the broadcast after the game basically declare like, hey, we're coming back here for game seven. We're the better team. We're going to make this happen. And, you know, for the most part, as you said, I think the Sharks are at least skater-wise I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury certainly has been the difference uh, to me so far this series because the Sharks skaters were able to, as you said, I mean, the Pacioretty, Stasny, Stone line was a minus two today, all three of those guys. I mean, Stasny and Stone, zero shots on goal. It's not great. Pacioretty had eight, but a lot of his stuff was from the outside. They were able to have him take some, you know, not grade A chances not a lot of high-quality shots there, so it's really interesting how these Sharks were able to limit them today. And then that first line, who has been, I mean, so, so great at destroying the Sharks in the regular season and the postseason last year, scored twice on the power play tonight, but five-on-five, five, I still don't think they've really found their groove yet this series, so... They might need to step it up a little bit with kind of some of the extra attention that seems to be being paid to that second line. So if you know they're gonna be the ones that team watches teams watch out for, then that means William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, and Riley Smith need to step their game up five on five and then take advantage of their matchup. Yeah, at some point they're going to have to play better five on five. There's no question about that. Like they've they've been good on special teams, and you saw it again tonight. The Knights 
got both their goals on the power play and you know they were able to to be effective in that in that area but they need to play better five on five they need to control the action at times five on five and there's really only been one line that's able to do that and the second line consistently and again you didn't see it tonight so i think the sharks figured some things out and you know matched up lines better uh with the knights and contain that a little bit but yeah they're gonna have to play better five on five but you know i think a couple of things are interesting first as you mentioned uh Thomas Hurdle already said they're coming back for Game Seven, so why even bother playing Game Six? That's I don't, fair. I don't really that's think fair. That's, I don't think that's not, like listen. Nobody wants to work on Easter, right? So just call it a win for the Sharks and come on home. I don't know that the Knights would be very happy with that or, or the fans, but uh, once he guaranteed it, I think it's it's set in stone. I, I do think it's interesting. First of all, that he was comfortable enough to make that declaration, and you know you're just kind of playing to the crowd at that point. But man, we talked about it. The Knights toned down the rhetoric completely. Uh, but now maybe that's a, a shot fired from Tomas Hurdle that'll get things fired up. I don't know uh, if I would have loved that if I was Pete DeBoer. I would have just kind of liked him to continue to you know keep your head down and keep playing the way that you're playing and not try to you know fire up the other team again that might have been down a little bit emotionally. That seemed like a, a questionable decision to me. Uh, but to kind of playing along those lines, and I'll, I'll get your take on that. Who is the pressure on now? Because I thought that there was so much pressure on the Sharks coming into this game. They didn't want to lose, especially at home and have their season end early. They had so many expectations coming into the season. And, you know, certainly it would have been a huge disappointment to lose in five games in the first round of the playoffs after everybody thinking they could win the Stanley Cup. But now all of a sudden, is is the pressure fully on the Golden Knights now? Because they know if they don't close it out at home, then they have to come back here to San Jose for a game seven. I'm not ready to go that far yet just because I need to see the Sharks actually show up and play well at T-Mobile Arena before I really get concerned for the Knights. Those first two games here, you know, in Las Vegas were I mean just complete domination for the Knights for the most part. I mean, obviously a 5-nothing win in game 4, a 6-3 win in game 3, neither of which was you know that much in doubt uh, for most of those respective games. The Knights had a huge lead in Game Three, and then the Sharks scored two quick goals in the third period to make the score respectable. But for the most part, the Knights were in complete control of both those games. So until the Sharks, you know, maybe grab an early lead in Game Six if they're able to do that, if they're really able to put pressure on the Knights in that game and kind of quiet that crowd then I think you start to see the pressure shift a little bit. But for right now, I just need to see the Sharks uh, play well in that building to have any sort of confidence that they're going to be able to extend this series after Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I can definitely see that point as well. I just, you know, I think when we talked about after game four, how it just felt more over than it was because of the way the Knights were so dominant. And I think, you know, you go and, and let the Sharks back into it. All of a sudden, you have to start thinking like, okay, we have two chances to close it out, but we really only have one chance to close it out unless there's, you know, if we want to avoid this potential, you know, Game 7s could be completely chaotic. And we know home teams have uh, a pretty decided edge in Game 7 where they don't necessarily have that uh, in most games of a series. So uh, I, I think there's at least some thought of, yeah, you've you've really got one chance to close this out. And if you don't, then you're, you're on the verge of a, blowing a lead that 91% of teams finish out. Uh, so there might be some thoughts in the Golden Knights head, but you know, you're right. They've been so good at home that they've got to feel pretty confident going back into that uh, environment and back to T-Mobile where uh, they've just been so good over these last two years. So uh, definitely they have that going for them. By the way, I just uh, as I'm sitting here, 
uh, at the hotel in San Jose to saw the Martin Jones save uh, on Riley Smith as the number eight play on uh, on Sports Center. So that was uh, impressive to see that again, and certainly uh, getting recognition uh, for what was I thought uh, the biggest play of tonight's game. Martin Jones making that save on Riley Smith and. See if he carries that confidence over to game six on Sunday, which again, we don't know the time. Uh, for those that are wondering why you don't know the time yet, Colorado and Calgary play tomorrow. This is a, you know, we're after the game Thursday night. So Friday, Colorado and Calgary play, and the, the game times on Sunday will be determined by if there's two or three games uh, on Sunday. So we'll find out after Colorado and Calgary play what time that game will be. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to uh, monitor that one. That one's been a really fun series. And you know, this Knights and Sharks series, I think, has been really entertaining. This has been a lot of fun hockey, a lot of fun goals, and we'll get more of it uh, on Sunday after this Game 5 win for the Sharks tonight. It'll be interesting to see where we go from here. But that's going to do it for us for now. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. He's Adam Hill. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Make sure to check out all our great content on ReviewJournal.com. Like, subscribe, do all of those things on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you might get your podcast. Uh, for Adam Hill, I'm Ben Goats. We're the Golden Edge crew, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.